Luke chapter 12, if you have your, your Bibles this evening, and uh, I'm going to minister from, the, from this chapter for a few minutes this evening. Uh, this happened in, a couple of years ago, but uh, in Scotland, an original painting from the Renaissance artist Raphael was found in an estate in Scotland, which originally was thought to be a fake. The painting was credited as a copy for years to a minor artist. I'm not even going to try his name. Diamola is his last name. And was valued in 1989, I'm sorry, in 1899 for $26. Today, that would be worth about $2,600. But the the painting caught the eye of art expert Dr. Benor Gonzavor during the filming of a BBC series in which he was looking at other artwork. I thought, Cricky, that looks like a Raphael, he told reporters. The fact would bring the value of the painting from $26 in 1899 to $26 million today. It would be Scotland's only publicly owned Raphael. It would appear that it would be quite a turnaround for the painting that had been disgraced and treated as virtually worthless for hundreds of years. Wasn't until what was discovered of the value. The question I want to propose to you tonight is, what are you worth? Are you disregarded and kicked off for $26 when you should be worth $26 million? Jesus says these words, Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? About two pennies. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. We live in a day when human life has become very, very cheap. It's hard not to read, and I thank God that this year murders are down a little bit in the Rochester area. But you see this for years during the pandemic and afterwards. uh, Murder rates were climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. Every year was topping the next Chicago had some incredible number that worked out to be almost two homicides a day last year and shootings almost every two hours for a yearly average. Human life has become very cheap. This is also throwaway life. We could talk about abortion. We could talk about euthanasia. We just talk about the fact that human life has been devalued. 
that as a result, because of social media, this has emphasized that. Unless you're able to take a six-month cruise and be, you know, and have a perfectly shaped, uh, you know, body, you know, and, and have the, you know, the six-pack abs. My, my six-pack went to a family pack. That's just the way it is. Right? That there's people who they have, unless you fit in this perfect looking kind of social media, you're not worth anything. This is our society. People are discarded, thrown away because they're not considered to be worth much. Yet in our text, God, Jesus is talking and he says, you know what? These birds, these sparrows were sold very cheaply because they're birds. But he begins to say, you're to God worth far more than something just cheap. Now think about this because Jesus died for you. He felt you were worth dying for. Romans chapter 5 tells us these words, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time and, it, and died for us sinners. Now most people would not willingly die for an upright person. Some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love by sending us Christ to die while you, well, uh, for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he certainly will save us from God's condemnation or judgment. He says you were worthy to die for. You had that much value to God that he would sacrifice his only son on Calvary's cross for you. I do not believe the old, you know, the saying that started back a while, if you were the only sinner that repented. Jesus knew that lots of sinners were going to repent. But he thought you were worthy enough to make his own special possession. First Peter tells us in chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's holy nation, God's very own possession. In the King James, it uses the word peculiar. Now, when we think of that word, we think of it kind of being odd. That man is peculiar. But what that literally meant was special out of the ordinary. It's how language evolves over the years. It's taken on kind of a negative connotation. But back in the day when it was written, it actually meant something very special. It would be uh, the thought uh, of having something that you only take out and would show certain people. It would be such a prized possession. You would not just uh, use this every day. Some would compare it to like grandma's china. You don't eat every meal on that. You don't put it through the dishwasher. You keep this in a very special 
way. This is the terminology that is actually used there. That God looks at you and says, you're a worthy possession. Something very precious to me. God thinks you're so worthy. Our text refers to do not fear. God wants to help you. God is in heaven. He's not looking at you. You know, I grew up Catholic and Catholicism basically has the mentality that God is ticked off and it's best not to get his attention. Just function under the radar. Go to the saints. Go to, you know, the mother of Jesus if you have, but don't go to God directly. He's probably upset. Now, that mentality can follow people into Christianity. There's people who fear. In context, it's actually people who are fearing missing out on the world. We'll touch on that in just a minute. But Jesus says you're accepted and you're worthy to help. Deists. Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Their basic doctrine of being a deist is that God is there, but he's become disinterested in earth. He's disinterested in your life. You're on your own. This is not a new theology or a new teaching. It basically was what the Sadducees believed. No angels, no devils, no resurrection. Just kind of you're on your own. Enjoy it while you got it because eventually this life ends and that is going to be it. And so the picture of those kinds of uh, doctrines still float around today. And people, does God really want to help me? And the, our text answers that. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Now, as you get older, you might count the hairs in the sink, the hairs in the drain. You might know how many have fallen out, but very, very few of us, if any, knows how many hairs on your head. Paul Stevens might know how many hairs are on his head because the answer is zero. But, you know, most of us, it's, we have no idea. The average, by the way, is about 150,000, but that's an average. Some have more, some have less. But God knows you that intimately. Or in other words, he knows you better than one, you think he does, two, better than you know yourself. Because you don't know that about yourself. You might know like I did when I woke up this morning, I need a haircut, but I don't know how many hairs that involves. Romans 8.32, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares to accuse us whom, the, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. 
Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died and was risen from, uh, to life for us and is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from the, from Christ's love? Does this, uh, doesn't it mean that he no longer loves us if he, if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? See, Paul's dealing with that same attitude that says, oh, as soon as I have a problem, as soon as there's a difficulty, as soon as there's something, I'm questioning whether God really wants to help me, whether I'm really worth it to God. He uses a term in the Bible, in the King James, New King James Version, the apple of your eye. It's literally the pupil of your eye. Deuteronomy 32.10, and he found him in the desert and in the wasteland, a howling wasteland. He encircled him, he instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. The Life Application Bible says the Israelites had no excuse for abandoning God. He had shielded them like a kindly shepherd. He had guided them like a person who wants to protect the pupil or the apple of his eye. He had been the encircling protector like a mother eagle protecting her young. The Lord alone had led them. He alone leads us. Let us remember to trust in him. Like, you can't get near, someone gets near your eyes, man, it's hard. When I first got contact lenses, and I wore them for many years, and recently tried them again, and then my eyes shifted again, and now I can't, my eyes have just gotten to the point where I can't buy contact lenses that are strong enough. So, glasses is it, I'm glad I'm married. But, it always bugs people to have to put their finger to their eye. When they first start, they're like, my wife recently got contacts and I was trying to teach her how to do it. Listen for the bubble pops. When I put my contacts in, I know it would seal right because I'd hear the bubble go, seal to the eye. It says, God protects you like you would protect your eyes. Zechariah 2, 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, this is the New King James. He has sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. The New Living Translation, after a period of glory, the Lord of heaven's armies sent me again to the nations who plundered you. For he said, anyone who harms you harms the most precious possession. That's what God thinks of his people. The two biggest problems lay right in here when we talk about this value. And I want to just touch them and then bring some hope at the end. But the first problem that people have one group of people, is they think they are more valuable than they really are. I'm dealing with the probate. I get to go to Florida again tomorrow. I'm so excited. 
quick trip in. I'll be back by Wednesday. I do get to see my son. That's kind of fun. And his wife. But what the reality is, is they've lots of stuff. Old stuff. Cameras and typewriters and and military stuff and and things they've accumulated, old record players and all of it. And it's like, oh, they have. And they would tell me they have to be worth a lot of money. The problem is, I looked them up on eBay, and I looked up not what people are asking, but what did they sell for. And in my mother's boyfriend's mind, these were worth a lot of money. They were retirements, but not really. Some people do that to their own lives. They think they're more valuable than they really are. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each one of you this warning. Don't think you are really better than, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Says you better measure yourself properly. The first standard to measure yourself is not against other people. That's what we do. Because I can find some carnal slob in spiritually speaking and say, I'm better than him. Right? Sinners do this. Well, I've never killed anyone. I'm not like Adolf Hitler or anything. Thank God you're not because I'm talking to you right now. And that would be really scary to talk to him. But... That's not the standard God is going to use in heaven. If you were worse than Adolf Hitler, you go to hell. If you were better than Adolf Hitler, you go to heaven. That's not the standard. But yet that's the standard we use. This in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 10, verse 12. Oh, don't worry. We would not dare to say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. I love that terminology in the New Living Translation. Just, you can just get it. Paul's like, how ignorant. The standard, of course, is the Word of God. The standard is God's righteousness. That's not the standard, you know, well, I'm this important, you know. So what do people use? They use all sorts of wrong measurements here. They use time. Well, you know how long I've been a Christian? Well, yeah, but are you a good Christian? That's not, time is not an issue. They use their abilities. Well, I've been, you know, or their gifts or their giftings or whatever. Well, I've been around for a long time. Well, yeah, but you're, you're as carnal as can be. What does, you know, does that, what does that mean? Right? You've used a wrong standard for value just because the record player is old. Doesn't mean it's an antique worth a lot of money. It might mean it's a piece of junk. Just saying. 
wrong standards. So there's people who think because of wrong measurements that they're worth more. But that's not really what I want to focus in on. But I have to balance the sermon. There is also a group of people that don't think they're worth much. They don't properly see themselves as the value of who God has really put upon them. And so as a result, they treat themselves poorly. Psalms 8 is a... I love Psalms 8, but that's the, the space junkie in me. I've always been fascinated. When I was in fifth grade... I did, you know, we had to do a science report. I did it on the Voyager, which was one of the first uh, landings on Mars. And I got an A on it because my dad got me the actual NASA report and printed it out. And I had that there. And I got a bottom of a fish tank and I turned it upside down and said, this is Mars surface. And that was it. I got an A on it. It's probably the only A I ever got in science. So I remember it very, very well. Psalms 8 is all about the planets and and the stars and the sun and the glory of God. And he makes this statement in verse 4. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and everything that swims, the ocean currents. He's reaching back to Genesis and the dominion God gave. And people don't, some Christians sell themselves very cheaply. Scientists in the Southwest Research Institute have been using the Hubble telescope and probably have gone on to the new one, to observe a massive asteroid called 16 Psyche. They recently published a study of the planetary, in the uh, the Planetary Science Journal, to summarize their findings. 16 Psyche captured their attention for several reasons. Once, it's it's the first, it's the largest and massive asteroid in the asteroid belt that goes between Mars and Jupiter. It appears to be made mostly of metal. They captured their attention because they believe that the metals could be worth 10 quadrillion dollars if they could get it back to earth safely. That's 10 followed by 18 zeros. That's a hunk of change. Which, it's, which exceeds, by the way, the entire world's economy. The lead author, Tracy Becker, says, We have seen some meteorites that are mostly metal, but Psyche could be the unique that in the asteroid belt is totally made of iron and nickel. What makes Psyche and other asteroids so interesting is they consider to be the building blocks of this solar system and to understand what planets are really made up on the inside. So NASA is sending an unmanned mission. They launched it last year, and it should arrive on that asteroid sometime in 2026. 
Are you selling yourself cheaply? You're selling your mind cheaply to smut or bitterness? You're selling your body cheaply? Some it would be immorality. Others it would just be that you just don't take care of yourself. Are you selling your future cheaply? Well, I don't need to be serious. Jesus asked the question, what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Some have sold it out very cheaply to focus in on the garbage or whatever. To not see the true value that you were created for. When Rick Martinez got sick, pastor in our fellowship, Pastor Harold Warner This man's been in a wheelchair for many, many years. He's fought cancer. Had to have one of his legs amputated because of an infection. He's a fighter. He's outlived paraplegics expected year, uh, expected age by years. He's starting to slow down now a little bit. He's now in his 70s. But he fought. When Roman gets sick, Pastor Warner called him and said, you better do what the doctor tells you to do. Because your destiny, your future, all that God has for you, you're responsible for that. You've got to take care of it. Yet people sell themselves cheap. Sometimes it's because of past guilt and shame, past failures. Well, I'm not worthy because this happened, or I did that, or I did this, or back in 1972, you know, I messed up, or whatever. Some people sell themselves because their own words sabotage them. Some are just bitter. And they're angry at the world. And so they sabotage their own value. From time to time, true value needs to be adjusted. It's the reality of life. True value needs, you know, gold... Changes every day. Stocks change every day. Oil changes every day. Isn't it interesting when oil prices go up, they instantly go up at the gas price. When they go down, it takes a while for them to go down at the gas pump. That's not on the gas station owners. That's on the big companies who make a lot of money at that. Got your mark. (laughs) But a correct value leads to obedience. 
in context our text, verses 4 through 7. And Jesus says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and have no more power than to do that. But I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who he has killed and can cast you into hell. Yes, I say fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. The very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. He says, you know what? Serve God. Have the confidence that when you're serving God, He's going to help you. In the book of Men and Boys, Richard Reeves writes, he says, men are more likely to commit suicide than women. This is a worldwide, long-standing pattern. Reeves quotes an article from 2019 in Harper's Magazine that talks about the sense of purposelessness that is among modern men. The author of the article states, several of my male friends struggle with addictions, depressions, or other uh, other issues that cannot uh, that I could name. But more common complaint was something more vaguer, a quiet depression. It was forced to be generalized as the, seeming to stem from the sense of purposelessness. Another study on male suicides tracked the words and phrases of men who have attempted suicide and most often they used to describe themselves. The top two words were useless and worthless. So this is a problem. This is a problem that people begin to lose out on any value. So you have to first understand your value to God. God made you. You're not a mistake. Even if your parents told you you were a mistake, you're not a mistake. God knew what he was doing before I fo- before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you. Jeremiah 1:5. If you know your value, then you'll know how to live life. There was a man visiting, an American visiting Mexico City. And he went to the market and he saw a man who was selling onions. He had 20 strings of onions set aside. And so the American tourist asked him how much for one of the onions strings. And he said, 10 cents. He said, okay, how much for two of them? The man said, 20 cents? Because we're good at math that way, right? And so he says, okay, what if I asked you how much for all 20? He said, I wouldn't sell them to you. The American was taken back by this. Well, aren't you here to sell onions? And the man said, no, actually, I'm here to live my life. I love this marketplace. I love the crowds. I love the people. I love the sunlight. I love the wavering trees. I love... All my friends that come by and say buenos, buenos dias, and all the babies that come by and the crops and all that's here. This is my life. I sit here all day selling my 20 strings of onions. But if I sell all my onions to one customer, then my day is ended. 
I've lost the love that I, uh, I've lost the life that I love. I will not do that. Here's a man who understood something. He said, I'm not selling out for the easy way out. I'm selling for, I'm, I'm going to wait for what I love. God loves you. That should bring you to obedience. When you don't have a proper view of your value, it's easy to disobey God. John writes in 1 John 5, 1 through 3, for everyone who believes in that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too for we know that God uh, we uh, for we we know we love God's children and if we love God and obey his commandments loving God means that you keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome when you realize your value to God you realize what that means. It makes obeying God easy. It also means that you'll value others because it puts your life in a proper place. Is a soul worth witnessing to? Is a soul worth telling about Jesus? They are going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Is a soul worth it? If you're value is too high or too low, maybe you won't talk to certain people. But a correct value means that you'll share your faith. Galatians 6, 1 through 4, dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by a sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right track. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens in the way And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. And then you will get satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. What a promise. But what a statement. When we have a proper value of ourselves will share our faith. Now, Jesus makes this statement, two copper coins for five sparrows, but you are more valuable. The play, the only way you're going to understand that is to ask God yourself. I could preach on it. There's people, and the balance is, there's people in here who think too highly of themselves. There's people in here who think too lowly of themselves. And if I push one way or another too hard, I'm only going to push some people over the edge. Like, turn to your neighbor and tell him what a great gift of God you have sitting next to you. That's insane. I've sat next to Satan himself in this service. You're a rebel. I ain't telling you that you're a gift of God. I know what you're... Th- I know. I, that's a mistake. But it's also a mistake to, you know, say, oh, well, we're all worms and worthless. And you have to ask God yourself. 
because that is the place you will find it. Christopher Parking, Parkington is considered by some to be the world's greatest classical guitarist. He achieved his musical dreams by age 30. Not only that, he is also a world-class fly fishing champion. Picking, uh, parking, parking, parking had received such success, but he wasn't happy. So he quit it all, bought a ranch, and moved out to the middle of nowhere. Gave up on the guitar, but instead of finding happiness of getting away from it all, he became more increasingly empty. He wrote later, if you arrive at the point where your life, where you have everything that you ever wanted and thought that it would make you happy and it still doesn't, then you have to start questioning things. It's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I thought I had it. Well, what's left? After visiting some friends, he attended a church and he gave his life to Christ. He developed a hunger for Scripture and really began to give himself to studying the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says, Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Jumped out and really it, it came to his life. He explains that I realized there were only two things that I knew how to do. Fly fish for trout and play guitar well. So he's back playing guitar absolutely for the glory of God. He says, I have peace, I have joy. I have deep down fulfillment in my life that I have never had before. Listen to what he says, and you can read this on his website. My life has purpose. I've learned firsthand the true, genuine happiness. Because he experienced Christ. He found out what he was truly worth. When we find that out for ourselves, it's easy to obey God. It's easy to do what's right. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You've come tonight, and maybe you're not right with God. Sin is a horrible degrader of value. Sin takes you to places you don't want to be, to do things you don't want to do with people you don't want to be with. Sin causes men and women to do insane things and mocks them the whole time. But the glorious news is there's a way out of sin, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ, being born again, change your life. If you're willing to leave your sin, if that's you tonight, you'd say, you know what, I'm not right with Jesus. I need to get my heart right. I need to be born again. I need my sins forgiven. If that's you, it would be our honor, it would be our privilege to simply say a simple prayer with you. We don't need a list of the things you've done. It's not, it's not what we're after. We're after to introduce you to Jesus. You know what you did. He knows what you did. That's enough. You need to 
get things right with him. It would be our honor and privilege to pray with you. And if that's you, I wonder if you'd just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Anyone at all, very quickly, slip your hand up very quickly. Say, pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew the Lord, but you turned away. You need to come back to him. Maybe you thought yourself too highly. Maybe you thought yourself too lowly. But either way, it took you out of the kingdom of God, out of the will of God, and you need to come back. Anyone, very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. Changing the call then to Christians. There are people in here, yes, there are people in here who think too highly of themselves, and that only leads to disobedience. You will disobey God. Just like an adolescent teenager who thinks he knows better than his parents disobeys them because he's going to be smarter than them. But the real issue I want to get at is that people often think too little of themselves. They don't see the value of their place in the kingdom of God. Their purpose that God has for them. The plan that God has for your life. Yes, there have been failures and mistakes and and all. I understand all that. But God still values you greatly. And if you'll grasp that, it will lead to two things. One you'll have a proper sense of the value of yourself. You'll take care of your future, your mind, your body, whatever it might be. Secondly, you'll have respect for others. You'll you'll, have a burden for people actually to tell them about Jesus and know that in their lives, they need the same future How do you get that? You ask God. You come to God and say, God, I need to understand my personal value to you. And God will show you. He's faithful. He may tell you, your problem is you're not obeying me in this area. He may tell you, you're doing just fine. Stop using bad words against yourself. I don't know what he's going to tell you, but I can tell you that he will show you God is faithful if you'll just ask him. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars, allow people to find a place to pray. We sing that song, Above All Powers. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all Above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders, the world is. Oh
in treasures of the earth. And there's no way to measure what your worth. And crucified and laid behind the stone, you live to die. Rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground. You took the fall and thought of me above all, above all.